You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Thursday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Well, it's Thursday. I'm so glad uh, to have you with us. Please call someone, let them know, tag them, let them know that we're ministering. It is Thursday. And we've been teaching on the subject dating intelligence. Dating intelligence, our theme uh, that we've been dealing with is we're, we're contrasting biblical dating habits versus worldly dating habits. And in our last lesson, lesson six, we moved out of the dating uh, friendship foundation into marriage. And in lesson six, we talked about finding the right life partner, finding. Well, here in lesson seven, we're going to continue what we began last lesson. And we're going to talk about the two ways to choose a life partner. The two ways to choose a life partner. Well, number one, we can choose a life partner according to the world standard. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we can confirm our decision-making uh, the things that we look for in a life partner according to the world standard. And Romans 12, 2 tell us to not be conformed to the world's way of doing things. Or we can follow God's example in decision-making found in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. And we're going to look at that later. So let's talk about worldly standards, worldly standards, and then we'll move over into uh, biblical standards. Now, in 1 John 2, verse 15 through 17 in the New King James Version, I want you to make a note of this, and I'm going to read it to you. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, and he who does the will of God abides forever. So we see the things of the world are not lasting. They will pass away. But the things of God will abide forever. So how does the world, what is the world standard? How, how do the unsaved, and unfortunately, many Christians operate like unsaved folk? So the world chooses a life partner based on five different things. Physical appearance and attraction, number one. 
intellectual achievement or achievements, number two, social status, number three, financial means and possessions, number four, and number five on feelings or emotions. So think about it. You desire a life partner. You want to be married. You can believe for and base your desire on the world standards. The world standard of choosing a life partner, a marriage partner, is physical appearance and attraction. Now, many people choose a life partner based off how the person looks. Now, I'm not by any means implying that it is wrong to want to be physically attracted to the person that you're married to. Listen, I've been married for over 43 years, very close to 44, and I was physically attracted to my wife. I am physically attracted to her now. So I'm not saying that it's wrong to choose a mate based off uh, uh, or to just want somebody that you're physically attracted to. But that's how the world makes decisions. She's beautiful. He's handsome. She's fine. He's fine. I would love to marry that person. Secondly, the world standard is choosing a life partner based off intellectual achievements. The person is educated. The person is degreed. I wanted a person who's educated, wanted a person who is degreed. Here again, I'm not saying that it's wrong. The world chooses a life partner based off social status which has to do with position, influence, and power. The person is a person of status, and I would love to marry that person. She is a position of power, influence. He's a position of power, influence. I would love to marry that person. And then some people marry a life partner, choose a life partner based off financial means and positions. Boy, that that I love to have that kind of lifestyle. That person lived the kind of lifestyle that I want to have, and so they end up marrying a person based on the fact that they believe, based off this person's lifestyle, positions, and financial status, that they will enjoy the same kind of lifestyle. And then other folk, a world of standard is feeling emotions. I just feel love. I, I'm just so in love with this person. I want to marry this person because I love, I've never felt this way before. Now, listen to me carefully. It's obvious that these standards are not the true standards the lasting standards that a person should base their decision-making on because 50%, somewhere around 50%, 50% of married couples end up in divorce, end up in divorce. So the world's way is not working. It is really not working. Now, 
Let's talk godly standards. We talked about the world's way of deciding for a life partner. Let's talk about uh, a godly standards, biblical standards. Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 7 in the New Living Translation. And when we talk about godly standards, biblical standards, we're going to always base it on what the Bible says, what the Word of God says. Now, listen at this. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 in the New Living Translation says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will, God's will, in all that you do, and He, God, will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Now, that's good advice. That's good advice. Trust the Lord. He'll show you the way. He'll direct you. You see, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. He has a will established in eternity past. He has a purpose, a life plan for you. And God knows who's best will fit that plan. Who best will fit that plan? He know when you start looking at a person in their physical makeup and how attractive they are, they can be beautiful, very handsome, and yet not fit God's plan. You can find a person who has status and degree person and has all these things, and those are wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with having degrees. Nothing wrong with having possessions. But you can be married to a degree person who has status, power, influence, has wealth, and be miserable. And you can be married to a good person, but that person doesn't fit God's life plan for you, and you don't fit God's life plan for that person. Yet the person is a beautiful person, wonderful person, so God knows. So we we, want to, when it comes to a life, a marriage, man, think about it. Marriage next to Jesus is probably the greatest decision that you will make in your life. Who you spend, who you get married to. That's a huge decision. And I think it's best to involve God in your decision-making. Now, listen at 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. In my introduction, I said that there are two ways to choose a life partner. You can conform to the world, Romans 12, 2, or you can follow God's example, 1 Samuel 16, 7. So let's look at verse 16 and 7 in the New Living Translation. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not see things the way you see them. People judge the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, this text has to do with God sending Samuel the prophet 
to Jesse's house because God has chosen one of Jesse's sons to be the king of Israel. And so Jesse bring all of his boys up and lined them in front of uh, Samuel the prophet. And the first person that Jesse brought to Samuel was his firstborn son, Eliab. And he was tall. He was, he just looked kingly. And the Lord said, apparently the prophet thought this has to be the one because of his appearance. And the Lord said to him, don't judge by the appearance or height. For the Lord does not see things the way man sees things. Man looks at the outward appearance. Man looks at the physical appearance. Man looks at how attractive a person is. Man looks at intellectual achievements. Man looks at social status. Man looks at financial means and possessions. But don't look at, don't base it just off those things. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So what this text is, is, is communicating to us is that when God chose people for his purposes, his decisions, his selections were based on character and inward qualities and not on physical attributes. And that's where we're missing it. We're basing our decision on physical and natural attributes. But when God selects individuals, he looks at inward qualities. He looks at the heart. And when God chose individuals, he chose individuals we would never choose. God chose Moses. Moses was a murderer. God chose Gideon. Gideon wasn't even appreciated in his own family. David wasn't appreciated in his own family. Just a rock-throwing teenager, but God chose him. Gideon was hiding out in fear. Timid individual, but God chose him. God chose Rahab, and Rahab was a prostitute. God sees something in people's hearts. God can see not only where a person is, but God can see what motivates them. God can see where they're going. So if my wife had decided to marry me based on financial means, I would have not graded high on the scale. If she had graded me on physical appearance and attraction, I would not have graded very high. Okay. But God sees our hearts. He sees the inner, inner attributes of an individual and he sees where they're going. He can see their future. He can see the purpose and the plans now, Proverbs 31, verse 30 says something very interesting. I'll read it in the New Living Translation. It says, charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord 
will be greatly praised. Think about that. Just from a, a, a man's perspective, and men are visual, so men tend to be looking at the the physique, looking at the physical attributes of the person and, and that level of attraction. But the scripture says all that will fade away. It says that beauty does not last. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to get ugly as you age. <laughs> it does mean that you're not going to look the way you were when you were younger. You know, when I was younger, I had hair. I don't have any hair anymore. So if hair was my uh, uh, beauty or my attractiveness, guess what? I lost it. I am saying to us that many times we're selecting individuals to be life partners based off transitory attributes, things that will pass away things that are really not that important. She's fine today, but you add some age and some years, there's a good chance she's going to look different. She may gain some pounds. He may gain some pounds. And guess what? There may be some wrinkles. There may be some gray hair. So you've got to base decisions off things that will last, not just transitory things that will, that, you know. So you're going to start out by trusting God, and then we're going to look for some qualities in people, in a man, in a woman, that are beyond just the physical so let's talk first about what a woman need in a husband. What a woman need in a husband. So if you are a single female and you want to be married, I want you to listen to some qualities that you need in a husband. And I'm asking you, to evaluate these qualities, and if, if it sits well with you, then pray about these qualities rather than how tall he is or how fine he is or how much money he has or the, the job he has. Let, let, let's get deeper than that, my sisters. Let's get a little deeper. And guys, as I give these qualities... You want to be this kind of person. You want to be, have these qualities. So if you lack these qualities, single men, then you want to be working on these qualities because these are the qualities that a female, a woman need in a husband. There are five qualities that you should be praying about. This is what you should pray for. If you want a husband, these are the five things that you should be praying about. Number one, maturity. I'll give you an overview and I'll come back. Maturity. Pray secondly about compassion. You want a man that's compassionate. Number three, pray about consistency. You want a husband that is consistent. Pray about number four, stability. You want a husband that's stable. 
And then fifthly, pray about strength. You want a husband that's strong. Now, let's go back. Let's look at these qualities and remember my sisters, those of you that want a husband, believing for a husband, you want to be praying and evaluating people that you're dating based off these qualities. These are the qualities that you want in a husband. These are the qualities that will last. Not how tall, not how fine, not how much money he makes right now, not what kind of car he drives, not his position. These are the qualities that are going to make you happy in a marriage. Number one, and then guys, listen, you want to be this kind of husband. And if you're not that kind of a man, you don't have these qualities, you want to begin to work on it. Now, listen, maturity. You want a husband that's mature. You want to ask God for a husband that is mature. Maturity is not being a spiritual giant, not how many scriptures they can quote. Now, watch this. Maturity is not just speaking in tongues. Now, maturity is this, it's initiative. A man who takes the initiative, you don't have to push them. Responsible. A mature man is responsible. A mature man is decisive, can make a decision. A mature man has self-awareness. He's aware of his weaknesses. He's aware of his strengths. A mature man is willing to change, willing to be accountable. That's what you want to be praying about. Somebody who will listen to somebody else. You don't want a man who won't listen to anybody else. You don't want a man who's not accountable. And maturity means he will not be selfish. A mature man, a truly mature man is not selfish. Immaturity is being selfish. Take a little child. A little kid thinks about me all the time. What's mine? That's my toy. You can't have my toy. You can't play with my toy. Even though the child has five different toys, I want all my toys, and I, want, I don't want you to play with my toys. They're my toys. Now, that's what an immature man looks like. He's selfish. Secondly, you want someone, a man that's compassionate, that's kind, a man that's kind, a man that has empathy, can put himself in your shoes, a man that's understanding and encouraging. Somebody, they're understanding. You see that in, you'll see that or the lack of that in your dating thing. Understanding, encouraging, patient with you, accepting of you. You want a compassionate man. You don't want a hard man. You don't want a stubborn man. You will see this in your dating. You will see it in your dating. Pray for a compassionate man. Thirdly, you want a man that's consistent, honest. The words and the actions match. Consistent, predictable, trustworthy. If you can't trust him while you're dating, listen, he's not going to change. He's not going to change. If you... If, if he's not predictable, you don't know whether he's going to be there for you or not. You don't know whether he's running around or not. You got to, he's running here doing this with this person, with that. Don't choose that man. That's not consistency. You want a man that's stable. Stable, emotionally 
stable financially. Emotional stability is a man who has self-control with his emotions. He's not blowing up. He's not hitting on you. Listen, a man that's stable will never slap you, will never curse you because he's in control of his emotions. He'll get angry. He'll get angry. He may say something and, and he, he recognized, listen, I shouldn't have said it that way. And he's going to apologize. He listen, I shouldn't have said that way. But he's never going to curse you. He's never going to hit you because he's in control of his emotions. Emotional stability is being able to share. He'll share out of his heart. He's open, able to share what he's feeling emotional stability. You're going to, you don't want a man who's not stable emotionally. Financial stability is not being wealthy. He doesn't have to be wealthy. He doesn't have to have millions of dollars. Listen at this. Financial stability means he's going to carry his weight financially. You're not going to have to carry the load. You're not going to have to carry him financially, carry the household financially. You don't want a man like that. And really, you'll find that out in the dating thing. What does financial instability look like? Well, it is being an unstable job situation. Don't marry that. Unless the person is in school and you're helping the person go through school, that's a whole different. But I'm talking about in his normal life, he has an unstable job situation, unstable, unstable living situation. He doesn't know where he's going to be living. He's living with his mama. He's living with his dad. He can't live out on his own right now. Don't get married. Don't, don't marry that right now. That person is maybe down the road, but not right now. Needing to borrow to pay bills. That's financial instability. Low credit rating. Heavy indebtedness. You want someone that's stable. And if you got a person and you're thinking about marriage and they don't want to talk about their finances, they don't want to, that's their business, don't marry that person because that's the way it's going to be in marriage. They're going to control everything. You're not going to know what's going on. Listen, stability, emotional stability, financial stability, and then strength. You want a man that's strong. What does strength mean? Strong in that he's willing to confront adversity. He's willing to confront situations and he don't run. He don't just run. He don't just hide. When issues come up, he's going to be there. He's going to stand in there. You want a man who's going to be in there, a man who has resilience. If he gets a setback, he's going to bounce right back. He's going to get back up. You don't want somebody. You got to keep pulling them up. You got to keep pulling them up. You want a strong man who can face adversity. You want a strong man who can admit I made a mistake, get some help. He's willing to admit it. Willing. It takes strength to admit, to, to admit that you was wrong. It takes strength to admit that you made a mistake. It takes strength to want somebody to help you. That's the kind of man you want. You want on a man who has maturity, compassion, consistency, stability, and strength. Okay, let's flip the switch. So let's talk now. What does a man need in a wife? Now, guys, if you want to be married, if you want to be married now, 
I'm going to give you a list of, of qualities, inequalities that you should be praying about. You should be praying about these qualities. And, and how fine she is, is not on the list. The length of her hair is not on the list. The complexion of her skin is not on the list. The size of her butt or her breath is not on the list. It's not there. Okay? It's not on this list. Now, guys, I want you to listen. And then, ladies, you want to either be developing these qualities. You want to be this kind of wife. This is what you should be praying for, guys. You should be praying for a wife who's accepting, number one, a wife who's appreciative, number two, a wife who is supportive slash ambitious. Fourthly, you want a wife that's positive. And then fifthly, you want a wife that's respectful. That's what you need in a wife. Now, let's go back. These are qualities that will last. You understand that? How fine she is, it's going to change. Now, she can be fine in her, her later years, but it's going to be a different kind of fine, okay? It's going to be a different kind of beauty, so you don't want to base a decision off that kind of stuff. That, that, that's, not, that's not the thing that's going to make you really happy because you can be married to a woman and she's fine as all get out. You understand that colloquialism, colloquial expression, fat, fine as all get out? That means she is fabulous. She's a model. She's, everybody is attracted to her, and you hate sleeping with her. You hate being around her. Okay, now watch this. You want someone that is accepting of you. Accepting of you. You don't want a wife who's on a construction project to change you. Now listen at this. Listen carefully. Men are different. Men are different. They're not the same. Some men are athletic. They into sports. Some men are not athletic. They're not into sports. Some men are handymen. Some men are not handymen. For example, I'm in the not handyman section. Okay. So if Pete was praying for a handyman, then she didn't get it in me. Okay. Some men are handymen. They can fix anything, do all, everything, repair everything, and then some of us have to call for help. Now, listen at this. Some men are well-dressed. They can put things together. I like to think I'm in that category. Some men, they, they, they are conservative. They don't dress well at all. You got to help them. Okay, some men are country, some men are city-fied, if you allow me to say that. Some men are reserved, they're kind of on the quiet side. Some men are very outspoken. But regardless to who you are as a man, your intrinsic makeup, now every man should try to get better, but our intrinsic makeup, we don't want anybody changing us who we intrinsically are. So you want to be praying as God, ask God to give you a wife who will accept who you intrinsically are. Now, you, you that, that person can help you grow and mature. You want that. But you don't want somebody trying to 
trying to get you to be outspoken when you're not, trying to get you to be city, you're a city uh, dresser and all that kind of stuff, and you dress this kind of way, when you just, you, that's just not you, okay? That's just not you. So you want to pray for a wife who's accepting. Number two, you want to pray for a wife who's appreciative, uh, a wife who appreciate what you do, what you bring to the table, a wife who will say, I appreciate it, a, a wife who will value what you bring to the table. Guys, you know we like to keep a score. We like to know when we're doing well. And you want a wife who will appreciate you and will verbally say it, will verbally pat you on the back. You know we have an ego and you need a wife who will feed it. You want a wife who's willing to feed your ego. And I don't mean in no negative way, but I mean a wife who's very appreciative. Ask God because down the listen, you're going to want that. You're going to want someone who appreciate your efforts, appreciate you. Pray for that. Now, guys, girls, women, you need to be thinking about that. A man needs a wife who appreciates him. He has an ego. So you can't be all into yourself. You got to know how to stroke his ego, how to make him feel like he's strong, how to make him feel like he can handle it. You've got to appreciate him. Okay? You've got to accept him. Number three, you want a wife who's supportive slash ambitious. A wife who support your dreams, a wife who support your goals, a wife who will listen to your ideas, a wife who will allow you to make some mistakes. You want a supportive wife. You want a wife who have your back. Even when you miss it, you, you want a wife who's going to be there for you willing to pick you up. You want a supportive wife. On the other hand, slash, uh, uh, slash ambitious, you don't want a lazy wife. You don't, no, you don't want that. You want a wife who's supportive, but a wife who has some ambitions. They, they have a dream. They have a goal. They're willing to work with you. They're not just sitting around doing nothing, okay? They're involved, whether it be their career, their family. They, you want a wife who's going to get in there and work with you. You don't want a wife who's sitting doing nothing. So pray about that. Pray about a wife who's supportive yet has ambitions. Because if she has some ambitions, she's going to be trying to improve some things. And you got to let her improve some things because she can show you how you can be a better dresser. Now, she's going to accept that you don't like certain colors, but at the same time, she's going to push you a little bit. You know, a wife that's ambitious that can push you a little bit outside of your comfort zone. So she's supportive, yet she's ambitious. She's trying to improve the home and trying to improve uh, the kids, trying to improve you. And you need a wife that's supportive slash ambitious, positive. Number four, you need a wife that's positive. Pray about a wife that's positive. You know we don't like nagging wives. You know we don't like nagging women. You know we don't like women putting us down. So pray for a wife who has a positive outlook, a positive disposition, a wife that's peace-loving, don't have a lot of drama, not a lot of drama. A wife who doesn't hold grudges. 
They bringing up stuff you did 20 years ago, 30 years ago. So you should be praying for a wife that has a positive disposition and a positive outlook. That's the way they are. They see the better side of things. You want that kind of wife. Now think about it. She can be fine. She can be a 10 on a, a scale of 10. I mean, everybody thinks she's beautiful. She's magazine material, and yet she's very negative. Listen, when you're with her, all that beauty is going to fade out of your consciousness. You want a wife that's positive, and then finally you want a wife that's respectful. A wife who talks to you a certain way and behaves a certain way in regard to you, in regard to you. They, she respects you. She respects your role in the house. And biblically, the husband is the domestic head of the home, not the spiritual head. Jesus is the spiritual head. The husband should never tell the wife, you, can, you can't read the Bible, you can't go to church, you can't do this, you can't. No, Jesus is the spiritual head. But the husband, biblically speaking, is the domestic head of the home. You want a wife who respects that role, your role in the home. You want a wife who respects you and willing to listen to what you have to say. But listen at this. You want a wife who respects your visual nature. Men are visual. You know, we, we're visual, and that's why I'm trying to move our guys away from just basing everything off the visual, but we're still visual. We're visual. Now, you want a wife who respects your visual nature. Now, what effect will ha this have on the wife? She will work hard to keep herself up. Doesn't mean she got to be a size two. Doesn't mean she's got to be magazine material. But you want a wife who cares about her body, a wife who exercises, a wife who watches her weight, a wife who is willing to do the best she ha can with what she has. You want a wife who respects your visual nature. You don't want a wife who just don't care about how she looks, don't care about just do whatever she want to do. You want a wife who respects your visual nature. Now, if you are a female, you want to get married, you have to understand that men are visual. So you've got to keep yourself together. You can't let yourself go. Here again, I'm not saying you got to weigh 90 pounds. I'm not saying you got to be a size two. But I am saying you have to be concerned about the way you look. You have to be concerned about your weight. You have to be concerned about you being in the best shape you can be in. You don't have to be anybody else, but you need to be a, the best version of yourself. Best version of yourself. So now listen, guys. Rather than praying for how tall she is and how much she weighs and all that, it's nothing wrong with you on someone that you're attracted to. Just like it's nothing wrong with a female on someone who she's attracted to. 
But these are qualities. You want someone who is accepting, appreciative. You want someone who is supportive slash ambitious. You want someone who is positive and someone who is respectful. These are the qualities you should be praying for. And these are the qualities on both ends that you should be working toward preparing yourself to be married. Listen, I know some of you are believing for a life partner. And I have a wonderful confession that I think it will be great for you. And this confession is based off Psalms 37, verse 5, Colossians 3:15, the Amplified version, Proverbs 1, 5, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Proverbs 11, 14, Proverbs 12, 15, John 10, 5, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, and Mark 4, 22. Now, I want you to make this confession on a regular basis if you are believing God for a mate. I want you to make this confession. And I want you to make it after me right now. I believe I will marry the right person. Father, thank you that I'm led by your spirit and you will lead and guide me to the person I'm to spend the rest of my life with. All the good ones are not taken. You have the right mate just for me. I commit my way to you and trust you to bring us together. I will be guided by your peace, and I will also listen to the good advice of godly people around me. I hear your voice clearly, and a stranger's voice I will not follow. I will not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Thank you that as I pray and listen carefully to your leading, the hidden things will be revealed. I believe that as I lean on, rely on, and trust in you, I will marry the right person. This is a wonderful confession. Write it down, put it in your phone, put it somewhere where you can confess it on a regular basis, I believe it's going to make a difference in your life. Now, listen, I, I'm closing this lesson. This is lesson seven, and I thought it was going to be the end, but the Spirit of God put something on my heart, so we're going to continue this dating intelligence series a little longer. Next week, I'm going to talk about fighting the good fight of faith against loneliness fighting the good fight of faith against loneliness. God put it in my heart to talk to you about loneliness. And we're going to do that in our next session. Thank you for spending this time with me. And I trust that the rest of your week will be blessed. 